Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of the Branching Path podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, joined by my fellow host, John. John, how the fuck are you doing today? Pretty fucking good. How are you? Can you fucking turn the heat down, dude? You can't come at me that hot. <laughs> there's, no, there's no going back. <laughs> fuck, okay. It's the hot podcast. Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> fucking okay, dude. Um, looking forward to some sick games coming out soon. Playing some some good games currently, so yeah, I, I definitely have been worse. You know, we're, we're fucking we're almost at Elden Ring, dude. Oh, dude, yeah. I watched. Uh, I didn't tell you about it because I figured you were gonna give me a dumb like, no, I'm I'm done looking at stuff. Da, da, da. So I just didn't. Uh, <laughs> that's how you sound in my head, uh, so, <laughs> at least on this topic. So I didn't share it with you. But I, I watched, a, they, there was a little bit more footage of, uh, of Elden Ring. Just somebody basically was given uh, another playtest and they got to explore that first area a bit more. Okay. And he just basically said, you know, everybody loved the network test. It was amazing. I'm not going to spoil anything, by the way. He said, I got to play with, like, totally unfettered, just people standing over my shoulder telling me I couldn't go places, basically, because they were part of a different zone. Hmm. But he essentially had the final build of the game. And he was able to play in the first area, and he said it was fucking massive, uh, like way bigger than they thought it was during the network test, and it was already thought to be pretty fucking big there. And he, I'm not going to tell you what I saw exactly because there's a fair bit of footage of this, but basically, on top of these little small like catacomby type areas you can find with little mini bosses and treasure in there, there are also these like medium sized side dungeons. So he found this cool like kind of a small castle of sorts and it had a little battle going on and he just explored through it and you know there was a fog wall and a little mini mini boss ish thing at the end like just i seeing it all i was like holy fucking shit this like it's what breath of the wild could have been right with these organic moments where you just stumble upon something fucking amazing and it's that constant sense of wonder but actually with some good rewards now right because if the weapon i get at the end of this is dope and has a cool weapon art attached well now it actually matters what I'm hearing is that Elden Ring isn't gonna have a hundred plus shrines that look the same, so I think I, I think I'm out. <laughs> what like what an actually egregious design choice from Breath of the Wild? Why did like why not egregious? I'm being dramatic, but I don't know. It's just so, so lackluster. It's so unimaginative. I know it, that in those yeah. shrines they tried to make these little puzzles and stuff. There wasn't no creativity there, but like so repetitive, man disappointment some of those puzzles were were fantastic but just yeah there's no like i don't know cinematic feel there was no sense of adventure for me that that, that you get from the older zelda games um, no not at all they, they just became very samey yeah and they also like they, they made them very sterile just in their design and everything right mm -hmm. um, yeah it's nothing but like I don't know, Chica lasers in the walls exactly, and stuff. Like, exactly, <laughs> which was obviously their intention, but it, it almost com comes off as like this separate from the rest of your grand adventure thing, right? So, so, mm -hmm. and, and that was a choice, obviously, but yeah, disappointing. Anyways, Elden Ring, holy fuck, dude. I, I, I watched a video where a guy jumped in midair, shot an arrow, and then landed on a beam after his jump. Like, What? Fuck, it sounds like bows Dude, are actually going to be playable. <laughs> just just seeing him switch to the bow and jump at this enemy and fire an arrow at him and then land all gracefully, it looked just crazy. So anyways, I, uh, I'm kind of worried for just how much time I'm going to spend in this world. But 
Oh, the hype. Um, Almost there. Right before we get into talking about what we've been playing, I'm going to just steal the spotlight for a second, and then maybe you can start with your Dark Souls uh, 3 after this, but I, I booted up uh, Demon Souls yesterday, the PS5 remake, Right. because uh, we kept talking about it, and I decided I was craving some more Souls stuff, and the game's fucking pretty. And one of the problems I've realized with replaying any Souls game a hundred times and, and again, this is this this is the caveat, right? Because it's not it's not just replaying them, it's replaying them a hundred times, which you and I have done. <laughs> is I was like, I want to make a strength character that uses the Dragon Bone Smasher, and I had a lot of fun getting to <clears throat> Flame Lurker as soon as I possibly could, so I could defeat him, get pure White World tendency, and get the Dragon Bone Smasher and play the rest of the game with that. But I got to Flamebucker so fast that my like damage rating was way too low. So I was doing 30 damage per hit. And aside from like hours and hours and hours of grinding upgrade items, there just was no path for me to make that easier for myself. And I was like, well, I guess I'm done Demon Souls. <laughs> so I just <laughs> I stopped. <laughs> um, it, would, it would be nice if there was some kind of new game plus mode where you can start a fresh character but have your pick of, of, I don't know, weapons you've unlocked or something? That, man, yes. I think you're touching on something that would actually be amazing for this series because it, it just, yeah, when you've, when you've played it and finished it, you you're, it's all about the builds now, right? You want to try different builds for the same thing, but oftentimes getting those builds rolling is, is actually a huge design flaw, right? It's like getting a, a faith build rolling in Dark Souls 3 or Dark Souls 1, for that matter, is a huge time investment and you don't get a lot of your best shit until way later in the game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be yeah, really cool. Yeah, you know, when you're playing a miracle build in DS3, it feels like you're playing melee for most of the game, and then yes, finally exactly. you get a lightning spear that actually does some damage. <laughs> exactly. Um, and and I'm sympathetic to them wanting to make sure that stuff you get late game is still exciting and cool and, and worth getting. Um. So of course, like it just it sucks when you know one of those weapons that is literally at the end of the game is the one you want to build a character around because <laughs> then you don't really have a choice, right? Except I think that's fine the first play. time through when you're yeah. when you're experiencing it the first time, but it would be nice if they if they had a mode like we're talking about. And if you want to if you're worrying about PvP balance, then make it so you're getting matched with people who have done the same thing. Yeah. Who have, who have beaten it and started uh, that new cycle. That'd be that'd be really cool. I would feel way more inclined to experiment with, with other weapons. Um, but, yeah, as it is, we've, ex- we've already sunk so many hours <laughs> into this. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah, like, I wanted to, to comment on that, too. Like, no, no game, even our favorite games, can stand up to that many repeat plays, right? <laughs> no, definitely not. <clears throat> I, I try. I revisited Chrono Trigger not long ago, which is a game we both love, and I, I, I didn't finish. I got a little bored, to be honest, but it's because I know it so fucking well. Yeah, like, and and it's you have to take that into account, right? So, I, I think I mean we we said this in the last podcast when we were going over the Souls games, but especially you know we played a ton of Bloodborne recently. We played a ton of Dark Souls three. I went and played fucking Demon Souls. Like we're, we're obviously itching for that feeling again, right? Mm-hmm. So, it, we're just, it, it is kind of, this is why it's so exciting every time a new one of these releases, because we you get that, that high again of doing this fresh, and yeah, you just don't see all the flaws and cracks as much, and it's fun. 
for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, when you get to see that, the the world and the settings for the first time again, it's just fucking great. Yeah, it's so so good. So definitely one of the things that makes them so special, and that's why I think the like whole FromSoft tackling the open world adventure category, I, I'm actually becoming even more excited for like by the day just just looking at what they've done so far and people's reaction and what they've seen and because they already do that super well in their not open world games right like they they have such a good sense of adventure and world building and discovery when it's more curated so i'm hoping that they can take the best aspects of that more player driven exploration and make it feel fucking amazing i just i can picture because because the guy also said like you know he he got to step foot in a different kind of zone because there's eight different realms in Elden Ring and they all have like a different aesthetic and everything to them sure. and he, he said that they let him kind of set foot in another realm for a little bit and the guy interviewing him said like what what was the gating to that like what stopped you from going there and he's like nothing like walking over there was all that stopped me from going there uh, <laughs> but he said the game gave a lot of hints and like there'd be NPCs and stuff kind of steering him in the direction that he ought to go because the stuff over there was going to be way harder than he was necessarily prepared for, but nothing actually stopped him from experiencing it. So I just love the idea of somebody getting fucking totally lost and, like, stumbling upon this area they have absolutely no chance with, but, like, stealthing their way through and finding this amazing weapon or something, and then that's what takes them through the rest of their playthrough. And I just, I can see a lot of really awesome organic discoveries like that. Yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully the structure of this makes what we're talking about with with uh, new weapon playthroughs much easier to accomplish. Exactly. That yes, that sir, that was I was trying to get to a point there, and thank you for finding it, John. That was my other point. Was yes, <laughs> hopefully it makes you know that amazing weapon way over in zone eight. Well, if you're willing to put in the time and ride your horse there and dodge hard enemies, you can get it. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I I definitely got a little. You know, this is a good segue into to what we've been yes, playing yes. you know i'll start with uh, dark souls 3 i i finally beat it and i finally beat soul of cinder and i beat a few of the uh dlc bosses i didn't finish either dlc i didn't feel inclined to do it um i i'm definitely a little burnt out on souls right now uh i i think or i hope the structure of elden ring uh, negates that i guess um and even having saying that, said that, I'd still like to play Demon Souls on PS5 because it looks fucking yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little burnt. We were talking about this before the pod. I'm a little burnt out on the the you know everything in the kitchen sink level of bullshit <laughs> these games throw at you sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Where it's just I don't know. Sometimes the the waiting for the like the angels in the in the drag heap, for example, where you're just running to cover and then waiting and then killing the recycled thrall enemy for the hundredth time and it's like oh my god <laughs> um yeah uh just having said that though drag heap and range city looked fucking awesome the, the presentation in those areas was insane so i had a good time going through what i saw oh, yeah. um i was not a fan of the demon boss in the drag heap fucking essentially three bosses in a row i guess He's just—he's just too meaty. He's got too much health, man. It's, you know, they're—they're they're not hard to deal with. Like it's—it's a—it's a patient fight. You know, yeah. you got because one of them is going to hang back, spitting that poison stream at you. The other guy's going to bum rush you, and he has a really long combo. 
So you're just just rolling and backstepping and waiting, and then you get one or two licks in, and then it just rinse and repeat. It, it kind of felt like a boring fight because my guy was pretty tanky, so I could take a few a few good hits there, but right. um, like safely getting a good hit in and then having to retreat for so long was kind of tedious. And, and also, despite having like 1,400 health, getting hit by... Get, losing like 70% of my HP to one fireball felt like a... Yeah, like fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, 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 why did I even invest in all this health? I could have just had, I don't know, been stronger, or grabbed fucking Soul Stream or something. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, yeah, fi- finally beat it. I'm finally done with that. So I'm happy to just put that one away. Um, what else have I been playing? Um, I've been playing Dragon Quest Nine. I've been revisiting that. Um, Using the dreaded emulator because that oh, game costs. Excuse me. <laughs> Look, that game costs like four hundred fucking dollars. <laughs> Dude, don't even get me started on some of the fucking DS RPGs I wanted to to buy a physical copy of. It's, um, it's fucking yeah, it's, crazy. It's, it's disgusting, man. It's fucking. It sucks. <laughs> they just need to make these available to buy on a marketplace somewhere. Like fuck me. Yeah, you know what? If that was on the Wii U, like some of the uh, some other DS games, I would have yeah. bought it there. But it, it's not, so uh, I get to play comfortably on my computer screen now instead of using yeah. the fucking handheld, which I don't like much anyway. Um, Wait, what? I think D, I think DS is fine. I just I'm not a big fan of handheld gaming. Oh, is this a new thing or is this an old thing? I don't know if I've heard this opinion of yours before. I, I just don't find them comfortable. I'm I'm kind of a binge mm. gamer, right? You know, I want to yeah, yeah. I want to sit and like dedicate a few hours, but doing that on a handheld is is far from comfortable. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I'll do it for a game I like anyway, like Entry and Odyssey there for a while, but I'd much rather be playing on a console. We should we should design an ergonomic chair for handheld gaming that like <laughs> basically sits up for you and has your arms out in front of you on these rests and like the ds sits in a cradle and you just have to move your fingers basically it's uh it's a tv dinner tray like strapped to your chest (laughs) (laughs) that's the prototype (laughs) um but yeah dragon quest 9 still fucking great i love the job system i think it takes too long to unlock vocations when you get to all trades abby but yeah for um, sure yeah, I love the sense of humor in in these games. It's called All Trades Abbey, and the guy who is like the master of this place is Jack of All Trades. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, a place that's um, plagued by a, a, some illness, and it's called Coffinwell. <laughs> the the doomed place is called Brigadoom. It's it's. <laughs> I, I love the puns in these these fucking games. So that that. Kind of happy atmosphere is is always fun to revisit, and despite that, there's still like, you know, I I don't want to mess or spoil anything in like Dragon Quest Eleven, but there are serious moments in these otherwise very cheerful games, and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Hell yeah, um, man! I mean, at Dragon Quest Eight does a great job of it too. Dual Magus is a genuinely like really interesting foe that you're chasing for a long time, and he keeps murdering people, and you get little. You get these little scenes of him committing these atrocities. It's really cool. Like it, it's dark as hell and very compelling. But yeah, there's you know, there's there's some real like dark moments in these games that you, that kind of catch you off guard. Yeah, and then you still got you know what's his name Yangus? Is that his name? Yep. 
Yeah, going, oi, go, oi, eh. And then fucking Trode going, do like us. So, yeah. So that, that was the plan. I, I wanted to bring this up just to hear your Oh, you knew it. You, you knew I'd kick Trode. So now I can stop playing this game. <laughs> um, yeah, I, having a great time with that. Um, I don't think I'll do any of the grottos or, like, the post-game stuff. I just want to go through the story again. Cool. Um, um, I just want to quickly hit on... So I, I do think this is kind of a, a common issue with Dragon Quest games that use the job system is that they tend to be really slow to open them up to you. Dragon Quest 7 is another one that has the job system. Uh, but it's not until like 25 or 30 hours into the game. So. Good God. <laughs> and it's like a 100, 120 hour fucking RPG, so I guess in the grand scheme it's not that long. But I remember playing DQ7 and you get so comfortable with the, the mechanics and stuff without the job system that I was almost happy to continue without it and then when i finally got it i was like overwhelmed and i just i actually stopped playing which was funny but oh was, interesting yeah i've never gotten far enough uh, I, I don't think i've really played much of seven at all I'm gonna have to try it's it's like a fan favorite and it's definitely really good uh i wouldn't mind trying it again at some point it's just it's so long right it's such a commitment right um it, like and it definitely can be a bit of a slog here. Like it's still an RPG, right? So you're gonna have times where you don't want to sit down and go through that poison dungeon, for sure. Um, and then you get to do that for ninety more hours. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I have the I have the 3DS one. If you ever want to borrow it. Oh, sick! Yeah, yeah, definitely try that. Um, yeah, still still having a great time with nine. Uh, um, I don't know why I got the idea to revisit that, but I'm glad I did. Um. Also, randomly, I got the the urge to revisit Shining Soul Two for Game Boy Advanced. Um, oh, hey, this is keeping or in keeping with this being a very topical <laughs> podcast, so that's good. <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm having a, a really good time with that right now. There's definitely some bullshit there. Um, the classes are not well balanced. Um, some some jobs just seem to get screwed. Mm. But it's it's. It's uh, I'm, I'm, it's fun, and I, I do want to bitch about the dialogue though. It's so fucking long-winded sometimes, and we were talking about this before the pod again. But it reminded me of Fantasy Life, which we both had a, a good bitch session with when we were playing because it's just it, ten bo- dialogue boxes could be summed up in one, and they just Easily. drag it on so fucking long. <laughs> Fantasy Life is an excellent game, uh, but it, it's really hampered by the, the dialogue. And I don't think, like, the cutscenes are not skippable a lot of the time, if I remember correctly, in Fantasy Life. It's been too long, but that wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't I, 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 that must have been the case, or we wouldn't have been so bothered by it. Or, I don't know. Anyways, but, yeah, Fantasy Life has, they just, you're right, they say a hundred things when they could say one. Yep. Yeah, and this game is the same. Um, that's it for what I've been playing. What have you been playing? Um, I think I've really only been playing one thing. Because we were playing Soul stuff. I ended up giving up on that. And then, yeah, I've, I've really only been playing uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh-huh. So it's the new uh, it's the new Pokemon game. Um, wasn't sure if I was going to get it. Girlfriend ended up buying it for us, so that was awesome um and it's really very good tell me why thanks for listening oh uh okay um (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, let me uh, let me get up my notes here. So there's a lot of things to to hit on here. They've they've changed a ton. Okay, broad broad strokes, it is the first real attempt to change up the Pokemon formula in like decades. So that alone is just super encouraging to see, and they definitely did it pretty thoughtfully because they've they've got a really solid game here. Um, just in case anybody doesn't know. Pokemon Legends Arceus is kind of an open-world-esque uh, Pokemon capturing game, and it's set in the Hisui region, uh, which is supposed to be where Pokemon Diamond and Pearl take place. That's Gen 4. But it's long before the creation of the... Well, no, that's not true. That's that's fully false. It's right before the creation of the first-ever Pokedex. And uh, one thing I didn't realize is it's considered an isekai adventure. So your character at the very start is in the real present time world and they get like sucked into the past basically hmm. um and also they don't know what pokemon are so they anyways so that that's it happens very quickly and it's barely paid any lip service too so it's kind of an odd choice but they do um interesting and you're basically tasked with putting together the world's first ever pokedex for this region by a professor who is staying in the region as well um and that's that's it you kind of just get set loose and you catch a shit ton of Pokemon. And one of the fundamental changes to this game, which actually works really well for the feedback loop and making it fun and making every encounter actually matter to some degree, is to finish out a Pokedex entry. You, it's not as simple as just catching that Pokemon. You have to meet certain requirements. So there will be like seven or eight, maybe sometimes ten different categories of things. So it could be like, see this Pokemon, use this particular move, or feed this Pokemon a berry. Uh, which is how you often lure Pokemon to look away from you so you can, like, back attack them and stuff. Or, you know, defeat them in battle or just catch them. Doing each of those things has a counter and you'll get a reward for every so often. So if you, you know, beat four of this Pokemon, you'll get the next tier. If you beat ten of it now, you'll get the next one. And as soon as you've completed ten of those little sub-objectives, then you've completed the Pokedex entry. Mm, um, okay. So it means that every time you catch a Pokemon you're almost always working towards completing one of those entries. Every time you battle a Pokemon on a whim, you're probably working towards completing that entry, either by seeing a move it's going to use or just by defeating it. Anytime you battle with your own Pokemon, oftentimes they have a, a Pokedex entry requirement that is like, see this Pokemon use this move so many times. So you get to not only work on that Pokemon you're fighting's entry, but also the Pokemon that you're battling with. Um... So it just means that every time you're engaging with a Pokemon in that world in any way, you're almost always working towards some sort of uh, goal that way and actually progressing the, the Pokedex completion, which is really cool. And you also get a, a monetary reward for all of these little sub-objectives. And even after you've finished a Pokedex entry, if you decide you know, you're going to max out every single little category, you don't get anything as far as like a completionist thing for that, as far as I know, but you still get a bunch of money every time you hand in your, your research results, which is cool. So there's just oh, always nice. incentive. So that works out really, really well. Um, did you have a question? No, just a comment. Uh, I'm liking the sound of that because thematically you should be interested in every aspect of these new creatures, right? Yeah, yes, exactly right. You should really be looking at them from every angle to figure out you know, what is this Pokemon actually about? Um, yeah, so that's really good. Um, battling is really seamless and cool. Like, there's a lot of times where you can stealth around and, and not battle. You can totally choose not to do much battling in this game at all and just try and catch shit willy-nilly. 
and it's actually really fun. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. Just, you know, seeing a Pokemon in the wild and hiding in the grass and then throwing a Pokeball at its back. But, yeah, it's a cool little gameplay loop. And, you know, say you, you try that Pokemon, but they bust out a couple times. So you're like, fuck it. And you throw your Poke your own Pokemon out to battle it down and whittle its health down and then try and catch it again. Um, but there's lots of stuff you can do just in the open world to make catching Pokemon easier and, and make the success rate higher. You can stun them by throwing items at them a lot of the time. You can distract them by throwing food that they like in certain areas. Um, so is this real-time combat now? Uh, no, no. It, it's still it's still turn-based. Um, you, you can move your character around while it's happening, though. Okay. Um, and so if I, like, throw out a Pokemon to do battle, I still have to, like, you know, choose the attack in the menu and stuff. But my character can just be like, go fight, and then I can yeet over to the other side of the world while it's happening, uh, if I want to. <laughs> so, Interesting. basically, I can just keep walking in whatever direction I was walking in and have my Pokemon back there finish the fight and be giving commands the whole time while it does it. That's um, interesting. So, but it, it is still turn-based. It, it's pretty quick. It's pretty snappy. It feels a lot quicker than what I remember the Sword and Shield battles feeling, because they can definitely drag on sometimes. Um, so, it's nice. It, it's also just really seamless to throw your own Pokemon out into the world and initiate combat. It all happens very quick and organically. It feels really good, right? Like, you see a Pokemon you want to battle there, you throw your Pokeball at that Pokemon with the Pokemon you want to fight with, and boom, you're in a fight. It's it's really neat. Sweet. It, it, it really does get at a lot of people's, I think, you know, dream as a child of what a Pokemon game could could look like someday. Um, this, this is definitely the first step in that direction. Um... Uh, I'm really liking. Comment. I'm really liking the sound of the the Pokedex info gathering because you would imagine, in a world so centered on these creatures, that people would be more interested in them, and you never get sure. that sense in the other games. Yeah. Well. Okay. So here's the other cool thing that that I, I like thematically. Um, most of the people. Okay. So, man, a lot of things. The Pokemon in this world are dangerous, and they will attack you. So your character can get knocked out by Pokemon. Um, I like that a lot. <laughs> so, like, basically, there are there are Pokemon that either are neutral to you, they'll, they'll see you and just kind of walk up walk up to you very stupidly, which is funny because then you can just huck Pokeballs at their head until they're captured and they don't do anything about it. Um, <laughs> or they can be afraid of you and they'll run away if they see you. Or they can be hostile and they will attack you. And if they attack you enough, you can lose consciousness and then you lose a bunch of items and stuff like that. Um, so, thematically, the you're part of this group called Team Galaxy, which is basically exploring this region. They're a neutral party in this region that has a couple of different clans called the Pearl Clan and the Diamond Clan, and they, they have their own politics and kind of discontent bubbling. Um, and your goal is to basically make this land safe and study the Pokemon and do what needs to be done, you know, beat their asses if they're getting too violent. But you're also throughout this game showing people that people can live Aside, you know, alongside Pokemon, basically, because a lot of people are very, very scared of them. So there's side quests in this game that often revolve around showing certain NPCs, certain Pokemon, either to help them with a particular task, or just because they're interested in them. And then you get a little fun cutscene about somebody being super scared of a, a little bird Pokemon or something. And yeah, yeah but it, it's all about building the relationship and, and showing that Pokemon and humans can or can coexist as opposed to antagonize each other constantly. So that's just a cool setting. It, it, it's neat to be building the first Pokedex and be showing these early people that Pokemon and humans can 
work together and can be trainer and, and Pokemon, that kind of thing? Um, I'm th- I think they picked a really good era of like the Pokemon world where you get to see how Pokemon and, and humans got integrated. Yeah, it, it's it was just a good good choice setting wise and like era wise all around and yeah, it, it's working out well. Um, another thing I like about it is it's a much smaller cast than your average mainline Pokemon game because instead of having you know eight to ten to fifteen different towns with people you'll meet once and never see again. Uh, it's one town with, with you know, consistent NPCs that are I'm talking to all the time, and they've done a pretty good job of characterizing each of them, and they, you know, they come off as actual characters. It's just a nice change of pace to actually have a cast that I'm familiar with, and I have expectations for how they're going to react and interact, and they're they're meeting all those pretty pretty well. So that's a cool change as well. Um, another awesome change for battles. They, this is a really small change, but a really cool one. You can, you can master moves, so your Pokemon as they level up will start mastering the moves that they know. And when they master them, you can choose to use that move as an agile style, or as a strong style, or just as a neutral style. You don't have to give it any sort of buff or whatever. The agile style will weaken the attack, but it will make it possible that you'll go twice in a row um, hmm. if, you're, if your Pokemon's speed is fast enough. And the strong style increases the damage but then slows you down so there's a chance of you taking you know two hits next turn that kind of thing and you can always see the the turn order so you, you'll know if it's worth using the agile style or not um using either one of those styles doubles the pp cost of whatever move you're using so you have to kind of think about it strategically if you're going to be out for a long haul you're, um, now you're you're able to change that style later you you can choose either one at any time oh perfect so uh, if uh, i now- this leads into my my big question here, which was: Is this is this the battle gimmick for for this game? Is this the Dynamax of of Legends Arceus? It's it's nothing so intrusive. It's 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 just like this is just a very you do it so quickly, right? Like I'm not Gigantamax and Dynamax and like Mega Evolutions, like those are all such big game changers, and they always come with this big fanfare, and, and nothing's ever quick and snappy about it, right? Um. Is there a battle element like that in this, or, or is the strong agile no, thing? That's like it. That's the, literally it. Okay, that's actually awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a, it's a tiny little like tweak to the formula, basically more than anything, right? They they don't make a huge deal of it. Like it's you know what I mean. It's almost like this lore thing in the other games. No, it's just okay in this game you you can do strong style or agile style for any attack that you've mastered. Uh, you know, think strategically. And you're like, okay, cool. I will. Thank you very much, game. And then you fucking go do that. And that kind of goes hand-in-hand with another amazing change, which I'm sure will not find its way into any other Pokemon game because it's good. Um, <laughs> and that is that all of your Pokemon have a move bank now. So instead of only being able to know four moves and, you know, having to go to, like, a move tutor or something to relearn ones they knew in the past or whatever, any move that they learn you can at any point in the menu switch out to their list of four moves that they can use in battle. Fuck, that's actually huge. <laughs> it's huge. It's fucking huge because strategically now, you can totally take the same Pokemon and tune it completely differently for a different encounter. Right? You, you like One of the things I hate about Pokemon games is when I only have four move slots, I never ever take the status effect moves. I just don't do it. Right. Um, the, the fights are too easy. They're over too quickly. Like It's just never incentivized. 
Now, I still do that for the most part, but if I have an encounter where I'm like, oh, I can actually use a status effect here that would be really helpful, I can I can do that. And then I can switch it back when I'm done. Um, I, I like this more thematically again, because this Pokemon you've invested a lot of time in is, is something, it's this creature you've trained that you're not going to just abandon or capture a clone of to get four new moves. Now, now it's, right. it's the same, I don't know, Rattata, for example, that you trained that has this big bank of moves you can draw from because it's been with you since day one. I also like the idea, like it works like for me thematically too because like, okay, why can't they just use all of them all the time? And it's like, oh, well, how about in the heat of battle? You know, there are four commands that you've been practicing a lot recently and those are the ones that you can really get them to consistently execute in mm -hmm. a fight. And then between fights, you can kind of go over some of the old tricks or moves that you learned in the past and decide that you're going to have them re-remember those almost. Um, yeah, I, I like the sound of that. And with this strong agile style, you're you're rewarding dedication to this this Pokemon with more variety for the moves you like, instead of introducing some weird thing that's going to disappear in the next game. <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly. Hopefully, this sticks around because it seems like an actual step. Up, um, what am I looking for? An evolution <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> of the core mechanics instead of just some fucking gimmick again. Yes, yes, you're right. That's a great way to put it. This is absolutely an evolution of the core mechanics. It's an it's a system change that actually I can see being built upon as opposed to just being tossed out and something else done next time. So yeah, the, the move bank in particular, if that stays around, that's that's going to be such a positive change for the series in my opinion. You know, I think um, you've convinced me to per purchase and try a console Pokemon for the first time in a long I don't, time. <laughs> uh, I'm, like, hesitant. Hold on. Let me get to the negatives. <laughs> I, I'm, like, scared for you to try it because then you're going to be like, fuck you, Kyle. You ruined my day. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, John. Um, all right. Let's get it. Oh, sorry. I'm not quite done with the positive. I do have a couple more. Um, all right. One of the big complaints of the Switch uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield was that the the animations kind of sucked for a lot of the Pokemon. Uh, like, it was these barely... They, like, they'd basically move the model on its own, right? Like, the whole model would shift side to side, for example, and then a, a little animation would play out in front of them, or an effect would play out in front of them, and that would be the move. I remember um, seeing that with this little electric dog guy where all yeah, with the tail like whip rotates or slightly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's rampant throughout that game. And they did do some unique animations for the starters, and they stand out so much because they look so good, right? Like, Scorebunny mm -hmm. has this move where he takes a little rock and he starts kicking it up into this flaming soccer ball thing, and then he kicks it at the enemy. And it looks amazing. It's super cool. Um, but, again, it's just super jarring when most of the Pokemon in that game do not have anything remotely similar. I'd say for the most part, animations are hugely improved in this game. There's way more or variation between each of the Pokemon. Uh, and in battle in particular, like just I, seeing my seeing my um, Alakazam execute like a physical uh, psychic attack, he actually charges in, closes the distance, and like does this cool big arm slash thing, which which is great. And he does that for I think pretty much every physical uh, psychic move. But it's it's still nice to have some variability there because then when he does his his you know distance moves, he has a new animation and. Yeah, anyway, it looks really good. It's way better than it did in Sword and Shield, so big ups to them for that. Um, and then the other big positive is the way smaller Pokemon roster than what we're at now, which is like fucking 900 Pokemon or something. 
Christ. I think there's like just over there's just over two hundred or so in this game. I think, um, which is just a such a better, more manageable number. Like that's the amount of Pokemon in Gen when Gen two was the thing, right? Like just over two hundred, like two fifty or something. Okay. And it's still a lot, and it's a lot of work to catch and you know master that many Pokemon in the Pokedex. But it's just it's so much less daunting and they can give so much more care to the 200 that are in the game than if you put all fucking 900 in there right um, oh for sure i i wish i really wish that they would do this more and more or like yeah honestly to be honest with you i kind of wish every new pokemon game they're like you only get to use the ones in this game enjoy and then maybe there's a post game where you can get the older ones or something but i, I think it would actually make those games a lot better um yeah, yeah. And I, and personally, I'd be I'd be fine with that. I'd like to see them highlight new Pokemon instead of I don't know relying on holdovers from like seven generations ago. Also, like, just imagine the gargantuan task of balancing that many fucking Pokemon. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? right. Like, fuck, nine hundred different creatures that all have a crazy learn set and move set that all have different inherent stats and anyways it's just it's a crazy number game so i think forcing them to focus on a smaller cast would, would just help for so many reasons so and it's it's great that arceus does that too so i'm pretty happy about that in, in a roster that size you know that there are a hundred if not 200 throwaways yes that yes. are are never gonna be they're never gonna measure up to these other pokemon i i, I would take 50 well thought out, great. Yes, des- like well designed Pokemon, and and instead of 150, where 75 of them are shit. <laughs> yeah, fully agree. I I totally agree with the less is more approach. But but if they ever did do that, they'd in my opinion have to make them the focus. Then I think one of the problems is when you already have 900 Pokemon that people have feelings and opinions on. If you only have 50 new ones in the new game, there's such a small fraction of the overall cast, right? So the chances mm-hmm. of them getting overlooked and just being ignored basically are huge. Which also de-incentivizes you really putting your heart and soul into making them. I mean, at least right. I imagine that what I'm, I'm assuming some things here, but I can see why that would happen. So, yeah. Um, okay. Let's get into Negatives. the negativos. So overall, again, before I get into the negativos, overall having a really fun time uh, and looking forward to playing some more of it. So negatives. It uh, it looks kind of poopy. The character models and the Pokemon look really good, in my opinion. I think they look fantastic. They move well. Some of the facial expressions are a little bit funny. Like the way your character opens their mouth for surprise looks kind of comedic. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, really? Okay. But the, the models themselves look look and move really really well. So if that was their like that was clearly their priority, and it, I think that was a good priority over like texture work and stuff because the Pokemon looking good is what a lot of people are going to care about, myself included. Um, and it, and it brings them to life, right? So, anyways, that that's that's good. But the texture work, oh my god, holy poopy dude, like it's just not good. The te- they're just bad, like simple, plain and simple. The texture work is usually pretty friggin' bad. Um, you've seen that you showed me that screenshot of the water <laughs> like <laughs> with the repeating pattern yeah <laughs> yeah now it, it's especially bad it's especially bad when you're looking at a scene from far away too uh, this game does a terrible job with like vistas and draw distance and stuff like that if you see a Pokemon like flying in the distance 
they will be dropping frames like you would not believe. Like, it looks like a cardboard cutout with two frames moving back and forth. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I mean, is it performance issues and stuff because the Switch is such an old piece of shit? Probably that, like, they were hampered by it being a Switch. Um, and clearly this is not the main Pokemon studio. Like, this is certainly a subsidiary of the main Game Freak team. You can just tell, like, this was not a all-hands-on-deck project. It's it's just rough in a lot of areas. Um, like, your, the way your character moves on, on like, inclines and, and geography that's not perfectly flat or, you know, obviously meant to be walked up is kind of awkward. Um, you get mounts in this game, and they're great because the first one you get is just super fast and makes traveling around the world really, really convenient and fun. Um, but same thing, the movement's kind of janky sometimes, especially on these awkward, like, slopes and stuff like that, and, you know, little rocks that you're trying to get up. And uh, you get a flying one later on, and because the draw distance is such a problem, and you're often hunting down very particular Pokemon who are in very particular areas, it's really hard to see if that Pokemon has spawned until you get really, really close. So it makes these, like, scouting missions to find a particular one really tough because you have to be so in the weeds to find them. Uh, I mean that both figuratively and literally because you'll be in the weeds trying to hide from them. Um, hmm. But So you can't kind of take that bird's eye approach to really make the, the hunt a bit more uh, streamlined. So definitely performance issues and yeah, just overall world doesn't look super duper impressive. So how, how is the pop-in of the Pokemon themselves? Because I remember seeing footage of um, Sword and Shield where the, the um, any Pokemon would just pop out of existence at a surprisingly short distance. <laughs> right. Um, I was going to say, I the pop-in itself is bad. Like, it's really bad. You see it all the time. Um, I, I personally, after a while, kind of just stopped paying attention to it, so it doesn't bother me terribly at this point. Um, I can't say specifically for the Pokemon, because I'm trying to think about it and I think in general the Pokemon are are drawn quite a bit sooner than the geometry or geography rather. Okay. But I don't know for a fact now that I say that. I'm not sure. I, I imagine it's going to be improved from Sword and Shield at least. Um, I, I'm surprised though with what you said about this being like the, the Game Freak B team essentially for a, a mainline Switch entry. I'm surprised it wasn't. Uh, d- didn't get the all hands on deck. It's it's see, that yeah it's it's sad because they finally made something good over like <laughs> after a long time of making pretty mediocre product like like really mediocre stuff they actually put out something thought provoking and fun and interesting. Um, so it's sad to see that it did not get all the resources it could have. I, th- this game with the Breath of the Wild treatment, you know what I mean? Like if they had a team that size putting in that kind of time. Right. Holy fucking shit, dude! Like, it's already quite good. I really think it'd be something super special then. Hopefully, so. this is a wake up call then that if you if you deviate from the norm of two fucking decades now a little bit, people will still buy your product because it's Pokemon. Because yeah, well yeah, you can experiment a bit more. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the thing. Especially, I guess it's it's interesting because they've made these like weird side pokemon games before right like pokemon mystery dungeons and stuff like that 
And I have no idea what the sales figures on those are, so I don't know what lessons they've learned or haven't learned from that. I know that I've never played them myself. Um, they obviously, they, this one to me seemed like it was built differently, right? It was kind of a more appealing thing just from the get-go because it was a 3D Pokemon game, which is always a little bit exciting. If you know, just just we all have decades of fantasizing as children about what it could have been, right? So that's always just a bit of a, an appealing offer. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why they treated it, though, like it, it was a weird kind of spin-off-y thing. Yeah, anyways, I, I agree. I hope that they, they take this as a, as a lesson. I hope that the sales are good enough, and, and it's definitely gotten good good uh, like critical reception um, that this is something that they should pursue. Please keep iterating on this. Please, oh my God, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully the, uh, the next entry gets a little more polish technically. I mean, Nintendo... It's fucking Pokemon. It's like the highest selling game franchise of all time now, or something. Yeah. Um, they, they have the resources. They can hire the people with the expertise. They probably have the expertise in house because they have access to companies like Monolith. Yeah. So put that to use, please. <laughs> put that to use, please. Please don't make Xenoblade Chronicles 3 with more big titty anime girls I have to collect. If you're not making X2, I don't care anyway, so you can go ahead and work on some Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, work on some Pokemon. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, so broad like broad strokes again here. I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm having fun. It, it's not like super mind-blowing amazing. Like I'm not sitting here totally subsumed by the thought Oh, excuse me, by the thought of playing it. I'm I'm excited to whenever I've, I've been playing it with my girlfriends. I've kind of been doing it together whenever we can and I haven't really done a ton solo so like again it's not like a Souls game where I'm, I'm just sitting at work literally thinking about when I'm next and I get to play it you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, it doesn't quite have that that same draw but it is still I definitely think worth your time if you're at all interested in, in what I described um, a moment ago so yeah, I'm gonna have also, to try it character creation changeable outfits changeable haircuts so that's John's always sold. big for me <laughs> i'm sold <laughs> no i'll try it when you come down next time before i drop 90 bucks on it yeah no i was gonna say I'll, I'll try and remember to bring it over next time i come over so you can see what it looks like sounds good cool uh any other questions about it though or comments anything you wanted to know about it you were curious about uh, no, I just want to see it in action, really. I want to see some of these technical issues you're talking about. And I want to see how the uh, how the combat feels with this mix of... I mean, I, I love pet classes and stuff in games. So the idea of being able to throw your Pokemon out and then just kind of fuck off into your own thing is really appealing. Yeah. Reminds now, me of uh, Puppet Master. <laughs> sure. I will say, like, when I say fuck off and do your own thing, you when you are in a battle, you are limited from the actions you can take outside a battle. Or from the actions you normally could take outside of battle, like I can't go and throw a Pokeball at another Pokemon and try and catch it, because okay. I have to I have to resolve the battle first. Really, what they're letting you do is move your character around in 3D space, so you can at least make some sort of progress to some destination, um, hmm. if you want to. I usually don't even bother. I just I walk around the battle and you know I stand right next to the Pokemon while my Pokemon doesn't attack, and then it, it actually has a little effect where my my guy gets knocked down, which I find really funny every time. It's like, nice. <laughs> use Thundershock. And then I go stand next to the Pokemon that they use it against. And I'm like, what the fuck, Pikachu? What's wrong with you? I was right there. <laughs> Anyways, lots of meme potential I, in this game. 
Why didn't you account for the fact that I would wander into the path of your lightning bolts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I berate my Pokemon. I'm, I'm a Fucking very good rodent. Yeah, it does sound fun, though. It's cool. It's definitely got rough edges. Um, lots of potential, though. And, yeah, it, it just has a lot of heart. It's cool to see Cool to see them try something. So, kudos to the team that made it. Way to go, you guys. You did a thing. Woohoo! <laughs> Okay, um, right. that's about it for what I've been playing. Um, we didn't talk a lot last time about Dark Souls Invasions, or rather Soulsborne Invasions. We we had our ranking of our favorite Souls games, um, or rather the order of our Souls games. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go check out episode 13. We had a fun time breaking it down, very minimal fighting. And <laughs> we, it was coming off of us playing a lot of Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3 again. So, obviously, you know, if we played... I bet you if we played a lot of Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 1 again, our, our ranking would probably change. But um, we talked a lot while we were playing those games about the invasion mechanic because it kept happening to us, especially in Dark Souls 3, whenever John and I wanted to co-op something together, which was a big draw to playing that again, was taking down bosses together. And inevitably, we'd get invaded by somebody who would fucking completely gank us, and it felt terrible. But we didn't talk a lot about that mechanic and whether or not we think it's tired and old and needs to be retired, or if it, there's something about it that makes these games special. Uh, so let's have a quick uh, kind of on the off-the-cuff discussion and, and then decide how we feel. John, are invasions bad? <laughs> uh, I want to say in some ways, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's kind of a... I mean, it's all, obviously it's all opinion-based, and some people love those systems. But to, to me, it's kind of a tired mechanic. Um, and a big part of it is when I'm going through these areas, solo or co-op, and really just enjoying it and drinking the, drinking in like the Dark Souls vibe, and I get invaded by some dude with, like, I don't know, his, his 1991 reddit handle or something <laughs> as a username and and he just decides to train through every uh, every enemy in the zone to to troll me like it it's a vibe killer it kind of really destroys the mood um so it, what i'd like to see from these things is i don't know i think they'd be more fun or i think i would enjoy them more if they felt a bit more scripted like the, the level was designed to have areas where the invader, if you get one, is the focus there. Dude, I was I was literally thinking this exact same thing, and I was going to say that to you as though it was my novel idea, and then you fucking... Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, anyways, yeah, I, I, I can't agree more. I, 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 isn't there something in... Oh, no, no, that, that's the boss fight in Demon's Souls. Anyways, continue. Um... So I, I don't know exactly what that would look like, but some mechanic in the game for your chance to be invaded or something, but maybe it's visible or it's something you can affect more, like more in a more nuanced way than just whether or not you're embered or you're, you're uh, uh, in soul form in Demon Souls, etc. Um, but there are are sections of each level I'm getting at where the invader is the the main challenge for you yeah um, now there's some trouble with that 
some trouble with invasions in general because some people are cheating and if you run into one it really fucking ruins your session but um if we if we just assume no one's doing that and everybody's kind of playing fair and the invasion system set up in a way where everybody's kind of evenly matched etc some builds are not gonna uh, gel very well like you're gonna get destroyed by somebody you're just not set up to to, to fight right like maybe yep. you can't handle mages because you're just you can't chase them down or something you're fat rolling the whole time um but, but all, all that aside I, I would just like to see i don't know i'd like to see the the invasions feel like more of an event and not a nuisance yeah if um, if they insist on keeping them right yeah, and, and a good example for me was the Looking Glass Knight in Dark Souls 2. Mm -hmm. I, I like that, uh, I think in Phase 2, he summons a player if you're online. Yeah. Um, but then the boss himself, he kind of hangs back a bit um, while, while you deal with this player. And if you right. get a really good player, you're you're probably going to lose if you oh, suck at this, PvP. Oh, this is another thing, right? Isn't, isn't that player... Oh, no, never mind. One thing I was thinking of is so in Demon Souls that that old monk boss fight is is uh, usually a player if you're online, right? That's right, yeah. But one thing I like about it is that that player is locked to the old monk's kit, which has been decided by a developer. That is interesting, yeah. So if if we were doing these more themed invasions, that's what I could picture it as: is like you can do the invasion, but you're going to get to play as this NPC character we've designed with this toolkit. Not your super min-max character who has this endgame weapon that somebody dropped for you and now you kill everybody in two hits. Well, I'd, I'd like to see a, a mix, really. But put more... I'd, I'd like to see the, those really thematic ones there, or um, which like it really is scripted where they're playing this NPC. But uh, have, have the matching system for invasions be more... Uh, mind you, I don't have access to the code, so I have no idea. It might be this way already. But match across, like, available weapons and how far you've upgraded things. And, right. And, uh, like, put put a lot of effort into the code behind the scenes to make sure, to try and make sure. It won't always work perfectly. To, to try and make sure that you're going to have a really fun, uh, eventful fight with this person. And then make the level design um, support that. I'd yeah. like to see more of that instead of just... Once again, getting trained through, I think we were invaded in the Road of Sacrifices once, and the guy was running around uh, gathering the crabs, essentially, or forcing us to gather the crabs because, you know, what the hell are you going to do against them? Yep. <laughs> um, or it might have been uh, Smoldering Lake. No, yeah, it wasn't what? Smoldering Lake, at least not with both of us. Wasn't small. Okay, it might, it might have been me solo then, but I remember we there did, were crabs involved. <laughs> we did get invaded in the what's that place right past the smaller lake again? The demon ruins or something? Uh, Is it demon ruins? Geez. I don't know. Small. Well, isn't smoldering like a, a dead end? No, because remember, there's the you go past the big wormy guy, and there's that second bonfire close to the old demon king boss fight and if you keep going past that you're in all those little hallways and stuff that's where sorig ends up oh I, i've just i've just been counting it as smoldering because all that oh, I see, lead, I see. Up, lead up to the crossbow right right but yeah that, that i know the area you're talking about yeah anyways but so here i can't deny i've had a couple invasions throughout all of my souls playing 
that absolutely heightened the tension and you know i ended up winning so it was really satisfying and we had like just a solid totally fair fight and i felt good about it that experience for me is definitely the exception to the rule which is it happens i fucking hate that it's happening because i'm already struggling because i'm in a hard part and the game is hard and i probably don't know the area a lot of the time it's my first time through so i now don't get to actually experience the area organically i have to i'm like worried about where somebody's going to force me and, and attack me and then i get ganked and i die and there was never any hope because it's me against the enemies against the player and it's just too asymmetric, so it feels fucking bad every time. Yeah, and, and there's just this... Um, the unpredictability of a player coming into a session where you've really methodically explored this area or whatever. You're really dealing with all the enemies, all, the, all this stuff. And, and you get someone who's, like, really erratic. It just... It really changes the feel of what you're playing. Sure. Uh, you, do you know what I mean? Like you're playing this this really tense area where everything's hard and you got to be very careful. And this guy comes in who is all he does is roll and he's wearing this ridiculous yeah. <laughs> xanthus crown or something yeah, or and the he's foreign like, armor and he's just rolling into you. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, or there's a little bit of network lag and he's skating around and it just looks super janky and stabs <laughs> yeah, exactly. you from a mile away and yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of tired of that mix because that's most of what I run into. Um, yeah. Like, I'm really getting into it, and then I run into somebody who takes me out of it. Whether I win or lose, it, 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 obviously I get pissed off if I lose, because everybody hates losing. But <laughs> but win or lose, like, getting invaded by, and having that kind of enjoyable vibe broken pisses me off more than the system in general. Like, if there's a version of this system where I can... Where it doesn't break the vibe so much, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I, think I, I could just, enjoy that, but I also don't really know what that looks like. Yeah, that's, I, that's the thing. is, I, I almost feel like we're being too too generous. And I, I think it might just be that, for, at least for us, invasions should be a separate like PvP area, and that's it. And the game would otherwise be better in, in pretty much every way for us as a solo, single-player game without them. I would just rather have the option to opt out when we're playing co-op. If we really want to just drink in the world of Elden Ring, I'd like the option to do that without giving, without getting invaded by, you know, Captain Sephiroth. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, because I've definitely like messed around with the PvP clubs, especially in, in Dark Souls Two. I remember this uh, bridge in the Iron Keep where everybody would put their sign down and you fight. I had Sweet. a lot of fun with that, testing yeah. out, like, blue flame builds and stuff. That was fun. But, yeah, it's just when I'm going through the area and, I, I, I don't know, like, Boletaria, like, climbing that, that first tower the first time and you get that, you got your shield up and you're just fucking scared because there's zombies <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can get into the game like that and just have it fucking ruined by the behavior of the, a player because they just... They don't interact with you the way the scripted enemies do, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in Dark Souls 1, it's just everybody fishing for backstabs for eternity. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I it's guess... hard, hard to say bad, because, again, some people are playing with uh, like for, for this, I'm sure. like They just love this shit, but, yeah, I'm definitely not one of them. 
Yeah. I just, I, I do think I'm going to have to come down on, it should just always be a choice, and it should never be forced on you as far as the invasions goes. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I would like to see that just become an option. Or if it's it done, yeah, or if it's done where you have to face it, it's like those, you know, interesting gimmicky boss fights or particular, they take control of a particular NPC and so on and so forth. There's another one of those fights in Dark Souls 3, eh? The, the Half-Light fight, did you do that one? Probably not. Uh, was that ring? Is that Ring City? Yeah, that's that's with the big giant guy in the in the big church building thing. I've seen footage. I didn't do it myself. Okay, yeah. So they had they kind of used the the old monk thing again. It's a it, it's a neat thing. Like, yeah, I, I love how inventive that is. Um, bringing another player in to be the NPC that you're fighting, basically. So yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Um, yeah, so overall, with the way it is now, I would keep keep everything the same. Just give me the option to enjoy Elden Ring with my buddy and, and not have to worry about it. <laughs> did uh, did you just call me your buddy? I wasn't talking about you. Uh, no, of course not. Of course not. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> the other person I play these games with, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Um, <laughs> anyways, that's uh, yeah, Souls, Souls, man. It's it's a whole other breed of Vigima game. Vigima and game. Despite everything, boy, am I fucking excited for Elden Ring. Can't wait yeah, to change. I, I think Elden Ring is going to be really exciting. Um, it, it's definitely going to be something we've already talked about. It. It's going to be something we're playing offline first, so you can really take in that that awesome world without for without sure. those immersion breaking moments, right? Yep, for sure. It's the fucking invasions are the Mario Kart lightning bolt. <laughs> they are. They are. Yes. They they completely change your your pacing and stuff. Like they whatever m- momentum you had going is is changed and usually interrupted and stopped. Now, I did read that um, invaders in Elden Ring are going to be attacked by enemies. And if that's true, that oh, yeah. really you know, give invaders full health coming in. I hope, I honestly hope they do. If if the world is dangerous to both of us, I don't care if they have full advantage of their gear and, and stats, all that stuff. But, but like, if that's the case, is that that it's gonna that's a really good change. That might actually make it tolerable. True. Yeah. That that would be that that would be significant, right? That's what we've said for a long time. It, it, because then they can't train you through the level, right? They yeah. can't just they can't just run away and have you get caught on enemies along the way and then they take pot shots and you die. That 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 you know what? To boil this conversation down, that has happened too many times to me, and that I think is what has been the most frustrating of anything, is that we barely yeah. even have a fight. They just fuck off until they see I'm getting fucked off by other things, and then they come fuck me off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember we uh we had a fight like that in um Right after Pontiff Sullivan, where we're on our way to Aldrich. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. And it, I, I was busy with the fucking giant because the guy was training us through everything again. Um, and I, I think I got backstabbed because I was focusing on the giant guy. It's just, it's like, ah, for fuck's sake, why don't, why don't you have to worry about this? Like, yeah. They, yeah. they should be able to say, are you invisible to them? Is there a lore reason? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> There's this human human sized thing that they love to swat at, but they're ignoring you for some reason. Yeah, body. What's the lore? 
What is the lore on this, Monty? Why do why do invaders get ignored? It's all about the pendant. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, uh, stop talking about Dark Souls for a bit. Um, that's all I've really got for game stuff. Otherwise, um, that like what we've been playing. Um, I was just going to mention a couple things news-wise. Uh, anything else you want to say before I move on to a couple news things? Nope. Go for it. Okay. Well, here we go. You gotta you gotta say the news thing with me, John. You ready? All right. Count, count us down. Okay. So it's gonna be three, two, one, and then we say news long time. Okay, ready? All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> three, two, one. News. 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 Nice. The news. Um, it's pretty mediocre news today. I took like two headlines I wanted to talk about, but that's because it's my fucking show. Um, <laughs> Sifu is out today. If you've not heard of Sifu, it's a cool martial arts fucking fight game thing. Uh, <laughs> I think that... I'm think sold. That, <laughs> I think that people come to us because we are so good at putting our thoughts into words. Really eloquent. Echelwint. Really eloquent. Yes. Yes, what you said. <laughs> um, yeah, Sifu is a... It's a a third-person action game with a strong emphasis on badass martial arts. Very cool visual style. Um, watching some gameplay, it looks really like just looks like they have a a very solid action like battle system that underpins everything. Um, and I just can't think of the last time I played a really satisfying uh, kung fu game, you know. And one thing I didn't realize is that it is only five levels long. And each level is about 30 minutes or so. But it's a hard fucking game. And every time you die, you age. And if you age too much, your run is over, basically. So there's kind of a roguelike element to it. Hmm. Um, so that's the central conceit is the whole aging mechanic. But I watched... Uh, there's a guy on YouTube. His channel is called Skill Up, And I enjoy his, his reviews and stuff a lot. He's pretty thoughtful. And he quite enjoyed it, but he said that he was surprised that they made some of those game design decisions they did because he felt it was going to be super alienating for a lot of people who didn't want to spend forever and ever getting really good at the game. Uh, he said it, he found it pretty rewarding, though. So I do think I'm going to give Sifu a try at some point. So I might, I don't even know, I might impulse buy it after this podcast is done. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Had you looked at it at all yet, John? Actually, I watched that video that you're talking about. Um, Oh, nice. Uh, I, I will say the aging thing as it just felt weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm curious to every know what death. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, I kind I kind of get it. You know, there's the the old kung fu master thing in in all the movies, and watching the gameplay and the setting, it, it definitely inspired by those kung fu settings, right? Yeah. Um, Seems like it anyway. Um, so I, I do get it, but it is kind of a strange mechanic. And yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting this this roguelike approach. It, not really my cup of tea. Um, so I will probably pass, but unless you tell me it's amazing. <laughs> even then. Um, even then, we have Elden Ring coming. So yeah, I, I know yeah. this is. It's I don't really, need anything else. Right yeah, now. <laughs> it would be my like Elden Ring holdover. You know what I mean? Like Pokemon. Pokemon when I'm playing that with my girlfriend, but if I need to play something just myself right now, that'd be maybe Sifu. We'll see. Get we'll see what I end up doing. Here. Get some Sifu. Get some, order some seafood. Play order some, some seafood. <laughs> <laughs> seafood special. 
I'm going to impulse buy some seafood, and then maybe I'll be motivated to impulse buy seafood. Um, uh, last bit of news today is that the Google Stadia is dying. I know. We're all very surprised, and we're all very sad uh, <laughs> that this great gaming service is going the way of the dinosaur very shortly after it came to this earth to begin with. Um, it just says that they're basically pulling the plug on it. I think they're planning to use like the the architecture of whatever Stadia is for some sort of you know cloud hosting thing for companies or whatever. But Stadia as a game service, it sounds like, is, is dying. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't really dive deep into it. I didn't really grapple with my thoughts on it. Do you have any initial reaction to that, John? Uh, I'm glad because I... I... I like the streaming tech that does sound cool and it's it's kind of cool that they're going to turn this into a service, you know. That's that Google and, and Amazon they're, they're this what these companies are good at. They offer tons of shit. So I'm I'm not su- surprised that they're doing this, but I I'm, I'm glad because the the game ownership issues have not been solved. They weren't solved with Stadia and um, the fact that you're paying a subscription to access Stadia and then buying games that you probably don't have access to once Stadia dies, it's right. The the, the business model was already all kinds of fucked. So yeah. I'm glad it. I personally, I'm glad it didn't catch on in this form. Yeah, I, I um hadn't even thought about the whole if you bought something on Stadia, what happens to that purchase now? Yeah, I have, have to look I, into that. I don't, I don't I don't own a Stadia, and I, I do want to to read up on this but as far as i know stadia does not have the internal storage to store your library right um yeah, maybe they're gonna offer the option to download and host them yourselves to play on your stadia device or something i i don't know but mm. um you know hopefully they have a solution where you get to access the shit you purchased well i wouldn't be surprised if they don't <laughs> yeah i mean it'd be yeah that'd be pretty wild if they you know say you bought 10 games on stadia that's and they're all new. That's easily eight hundred dollars Canadian, if not more. Uh, it'd be pretty shitty just to lose that eight hundred dollars. That would be crazy. I, I guess you can argue. You can argue. You still played the games and you had the experience, so it's not like a one-for-one comparison of just losing the full amount. But you would still expect to own those things. So. Yeah, I mean, worst case, you know, the fans will figure out a way to to homebrew this thing and serve yeah. up their library. <laughs> the fans, the fans always come to save the day. Yep. Um, cool. That's about all I got for for news today. I was uh, reading some Kotaku headlines uh, in preparison. For, er, preparison? What the fuck? Preparison. <laughs> in preparison for this, so that's a word now. Um, <laughs> Like a week ago, and I was just making note that a lot of them, like headline writers for any sort of publication, be it you know legacy media or video games journalism, they're like a whole separate breed because they always choose the most inflammatory, like narrative setting headline possible, and it's very frustrating to see it, uh, especially for video games. Um, one of them was like, uh, it was Game Pass was losing some games from the service, right? Which it happens all the time. Games come, games leave. And the headline was, Game Pass losing some of its best games, or whatever. Right? And it was just billed as this big, like, oh shit, like, is something happening with Game Pass? Are people pulling out? And it was like, no, I clicked on it, and there were like ten games that were leaving. And yeah, some of them were pretty good. (laughs) But it just was billed as this dramatic, some of Game Pass' 
best games are leaving the service. Like, oh no, Game Pass is floundering. Anyways, there were a lot more of other versions of this, and I found Kotaku especially bad for this, but <laughs> consuming and digesting news can be difficult, so do it uh, at your own risk, everyone. And click beyond the headline. <laughs> no, only read headlines. Don't, That's my don't do it. Don't do what we do on the podcast and only read headlines. <laughs> <laughs> we deep dive sometimes, but sometimes we only read headlines. I like that. Uh, yeah, there the Stadia thing is. There's probably tons that we could have touched on. Like, oh, are people going to get to keep their libraries? But no, we're like, oh man, Stadia is dying. Oh wow, that's bad, but also good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, good shit. Um. All right, let's. Uh, I'm going to stop me injuring. Let's fucking end this thing. Uh, let's end it. Thanks for listening, everybody. It was uh, fun to do this again. Um. I haven't told you, but. I only have two weeks to live, so this will be my last podcast. Uh, John said he's going to carry on without me, so next week uh, he's going to have a new host who's probably going to sound a lot like me. Um, yeah, so we'll see how he does uh, on the next Actually, pod. But- Kyle does all of this editing, so when he dies, I'm, I'm out. So <laughs> I hope the new Bye. guy does it then. <laughs> uh, all right, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll chat at you in a couple of weeks. Oh, actually, you know what? why don't we say it right now? Let's uh, let's wait for the next one until Elden Ring comes out, because that's like barely two weeks away, anyways. And then we'll fucking we'll fucking talk about some fucking Elden Ring, my dude. You'll get our Elden Ring first impressions. Yeah, yeah. Exciting. Look forward to that. Okay. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Branching Path Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at BranchPathPod or just search Branching Path Podcast. Check out our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Branching Path Podcast. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on our RSS website, which is rss.com slash Branching Path Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Take care. <laughs>